let me just preface this with who the fuck knows, you know. stop shop news views and overreactions to all things nfl the draft season is here it's time to make our incredibly 100 definitely accurate and scientific picks so hey we've got connor here we've got ronan hello and we've got sean oh how are we getting on lads how is life down in cork not too bad not too bad quiet enough getting post-wedding come down going through the cards and the gifts and trying to see who should thank and who should not be thanked uh, <laughs> There was one person who neither got us a gift nor sent us a card, so we're debating about what kind of thank you we should give that person. Otherwise, everyone stepped up to the plate, so thank you. Thank you, everyone. This this will probably cover it off. You don't need to send cards. They all listen. (laughs) (laughs) Hello to all the Brits tuning in from Sarah's side. (laughs) This is your official thank you. Ah, very good. How about yourself, Ronan? That's pretty quiet. We're at a busy period at work, so trying to get through that till probably the end of May. So other than that, I've just been tipping around, not doing too much, so... Ah, very good. Yeah, some of this is about here. I'm sounding a little bit tired. I was in Frankfurt all week for ECB meetings. A little bit tired after an awful lot of technical chatter for eight plus hours a day. Very exciting times. But it did mean I got to scope out a couple of bars and stuff for whenever we're going to be heading over for the NFL games later on this year. Definitely will be less cracks in Munich. But we'll make our own fun. Let's move into some of the quick news stories. It's a short news section this time because basically everything is just rumors about the draft. So the main story is probably the Washington team has agreed in principle to a sale for roughly $6.05 billion to a consortium that's headed up by Josh Harris. Uh, NFL owners are said to be considering the bid at the moment. Yeah, this is big money for it. We saw the Broncos sale last year and this has surpassed that again. It's an interesting one, particularly given I think they've got the ongoing explorations of new sites for for new I suppose that might be a positive that they're looking at possibly putting in new stadiums new revenue sources and things like that like fingers crossed this goes through because it would just be great to see the Schneiders gone that'd be phenomenal they've been a bugbear on this podcast for quite some time about wanting to get rid of them this would seem fine I believe Harris has interests in a couple of other sports and also has a minority stake in the Steelers that he'd probably have to sell for this right the financing of this is like the publicly available financing for this is fairly straightforward if Josh Harris leading consortium the big name from that is Magic Johnson, obviously the former basketball player. Apparently, the only sport that he has not won like the, the big prize as either an, a, a part owner or as a player is the NFL. I think he was part of a failed bid alongside Harris to buy the Broncos last year. But yeah, inflation's a hell of a thing because you know you've already increased by a billion or so over Denver. I suppose like Washington feels like a bad franchise like it shouldn't be worth much but that's primarily because it's been run by an idiot for for two decades effectively and even though i don't feel like snyder wants to sell it you know a six billion payoff is probably doing okay for something he bought for a few hundred million uh about yeah, I think 20 was, years ago i think it was about 700 million he spent on it yeah so it's uh, not 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 a bad out return even given inflation so you know it, it's a situation like where i think the owners are very keen to make this go true so unless there's something hidden in the details which will be an issue like and things like the Steelers ownership can be resolved then it shouldn't be a problem like there have been some reports that you know some of the money might be a little bit dodgy like it might be coming from the Saudis and stuff like that but as long as Harris is the guy in charge and the person who will be the owner and there's no idea that the, you know, anyone has enough influence to be a major consideration then I don't see any reason why this won't go through it certainly is in line with what everyone would probably desire at this point 
I wouldn't think this is 100% done yet. I was listening to a kind of a generic American podcast called Hang Up and Listen. They were interviewing, uh, I can't remember the name of the reporter, but he's a guy who's followed Snyder around in his career for the last 15 years or so. And he says that this isn't done until the thing is signed. The argument he makes is that Dan Snyder loves publicity and he loves being in the spotlight. And literally, if he sells this, he's got nothing else going on, that he, he loses his chance to be in the headlines if he if he finally agrees to go. So there, don't be surprised if we don't see, if we if we see some like last minute cold feet coming here from Dan Snyder being saying actually I kind of don't want to to give it up. So I think until it's signed, I don't think we can say anything. In terms of Harris himself, he seems like you know seems like he knows what he's doing. It's uh, see, so yeah, I looked it up. He's the Philadelphia 76ers, who are a basketball team who are you know quite well managed at least in recent years. Although they controversially tried to deliberately tank in order to build a team there a few years ago. New Jersey Devils NHL and also 15% stake in Crystal Palace and Crystal Palace are, you know, they're a decent team as well. So I, yeah, it sounds like he would be a step up from the Snyder, certainly in terms of someone who knows sports, knows how to create good sports franchises and knows how to go forward. But as I say, until that pen has, has inked that contract, I wouldn't consider this done yet. What I would take away from this is the way it's being reported, the way it's being covered is this is kind of the, this is the get out for Snyder of this is like, you will get good money you leave on halfway decent terms. This is basically, I imagine there'll be a lot of pressure from the other owners to have him accept this rather than him have to be forced out because I believe we were pushing towards the point of them potentially looking at pushing him out. I'd say there'll be a lot of pressure internally from the other owners within the group to, to try and get something like this done. But uh, we'll keep an eye on it and we'll obviously bring updates as we hear more and more. Let's look at some player updates. So there's been two kind of big-ish transactions of note. One is particularly large. One is interesting, I suppose. So the first one is the big one. Jalen Hurts, quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles has signed an extension it's five year 255 million dollar contract with 110 fully guaranteed and 180 million in total guarantees which is for those who aren't that used to NFL contracts basically they put in weird language so 110 million is guaranteed right now and then by the start of the league year there'll be another section of that'll be guaranteed there'll be a section that'll be guaranteed if he gets injured and there'll be rolling guarantees for through the first two years or so so basically they just put this language in there so they can manipulate how much money applies to each contract year of the player so that they can manage their cap a little bit more easily so when you see a headline figure of this player earns 40 45 million a year that doesn't always mean that they count for 45 million in every given year of that contract so it's it's basically that so philly get the job done kind of almost feels a little bit pointedly at Baltimore situation with Lamar Jackson that this gets done on a quarterback who's also known for running and you know had had injury concerns albeit maybe not to the same extent good deal in my head for Philly they get Hurts locked in they're happy with what they have with him you know he kind of proved a lot of the haters wrong in his performance in the Super Bowl and so on I think it's a, a great idea I think it's a great deal I think it's quite a manageable number they're going to have him for as well and I think it's good for Hurts as well to get that bank so I I just think overall well done to everyone involved. Yeah, I think I think this is good business for everyone. Obviously, Jalen Hurts had a, a you know a, the breakout here when he finally became the superstar that he's been threatened here, and you know almost won the Super Bowl single handedly <laughs> to a certain extent. Deserves the money and he deserves the recognition. And this this will allow the Eagles then to build around him in the in the long term for the future because obviously they they had a really good team, but their team has kind of free agency has stripped an awful lot of pieces out of it so now they as long as they keep this kind of the gem they can build around this gem uh, going forward and they can convince other people to to come on board it's it's also i guess interesting as as a data point in terms of this the lamar jackson the guaranteed contract the elite qb question as long as deshaun watson was kind of the only data point as were out there obviously lamar jackson 
negotiations were tricky. This at least gives another point of comparison that might help with negotiations going forward, either in terms of Lamar saying, this is how much I am worth in, in terms of the field, or the Ravens saying, yeah, but Deshaun Watson's contract was a bit of an outlier, and here's something more like uh, what we're getting. It's interesting, both in terms of, of that kind of progression forward, um, but yeah, good business, business all around. Look, obviously, it's hard to talk about this without talking about Lamar Jackson, who's obviously looking for that Deshaun Watson-style fully guaranteed contract. And obviously, Jalen Hurts was one of the big dominoes to fall. He basically will be the the, the floor of what Joe Burrow's going to look for, for what for Justin Herbert's going to look for. Those guys of probably, on average, I play Jalen, certainly Burrows, I played Jalen Hurts in terms of his value to his team. And Herbert, you could argue the same. But obviously, Lamar, he's probably not getting any cheaper as you go along like to be fair to Jalen Hurts like I think half the contract is basically fully guaranteed by this time next year yeah and obviously he has pretty good guarantees if he, if the worst case scenario happens and he's injured so unless he sucks but and then he might have an issue in year three he's probably mostly fine he also did include a no trade clause which is obviously becoming quite standard and we see the success of such clauses when you see how Derek Carr was able to get out of his, out of his contract recently but something that hasn't been done by Philly before so look I think you know this is a more standard quarter quarterback contract that we expect going forward and probably the floor of what we can expect for the big franchise quarterbacks and I think the big lesson from that is that unless you know some major downturn in the NFL happens and based on how much has been paid for teams no one's expecting that then the price is only going to get more expensive so you might as well get this, this business done while you as quickly as you can. Pittsburgh also got into a bit of bit of interest they've traded their 2023 seventh round pick for wide receiver Allen Robinson and a 2023 seventh round back from the LA Rams and the Rams will pay 10 of the 15 million dollars that he is due on the books this year this was cheap business for them to pick up a wide receiver who had in previous years been a very high-end performer and then disappeared into nothingness last year he had one or two moments in games where he looked good but just didn't really click at all and whether that was to do with the overall malaise of that Rams offense or whether it was just that he was over the hill and passed it who knows but a very cheap acquisition for what was at one point a WR1 and Pittsburgh have quite a history of being able to get the absolute maximum production out of wide receivers albeit normally it's ones they draft themselves so i think a seventh round pick swap and five million is a fine flyer at this point it's small business he'll be the wide receiver tree potentially on the depth chart for the Steelers they have Deontay Johnson they have George Pickens so they have young talented guys that are going to take most of the snaps anyway and they have decent young tight end fryer moot as well so probably a good situation for Robinson there's not much pressure and Pittsburgh has traditionally been a team that's done a solid job of training up uh, wide receivers so he's obviously a guy who has not really done much for over two seasons now after basically checking out of his last season in Chicago and then doing nothing with the Rams after being hyped up all offseason but you know if he has a chance of succeeding here it's probably something like this where he goes to a team that isn't going to lean on him or need him but where the general culture should be to his favor i feel the jury is still out on robinson to a certain extent obviously with the bears he looked like he had you know great potential but obviously given the the organization and the the talent deficit around him we never really knew how good he would be and then rams last year yeah obviously he was greatly hyped i mean the rams just had a terrible season all around and kind of the whole thing fell apart especially on the on the offensive side so i feel like this as you say this is a chance for him to redeem himself obviously starting off as the wr3 but if he you know he has the capability of being a wr1 on on his day and the price is just i mean it's a phenomenal price to get for someone with this much kind of base talent albeit one who hasn't realized that talent in a few years so i'd be cautiously optimistic that on robinson's going to fit in well the steelers and be yeah. a, a good part of their team yeah 
I think they'll be able to, to figure out how to use him. Injury news, safety, Jamar Hamlin from the Buffalo Bills. He, of the very large-scale injury during the game that got delayed, then cancelled, has been fully cleared to play football in 2023. He says that it is his intention to play, so that's very positive news to, to hear that he'd be able to come back. And the other bit of news would be that uh, defensive tackle Gerald McCoy is retired after 11 seasons. He spent most of his time in Tampa Bay. He is one All-Pro, six Pro Bowls, and just shy of 60, he got uh, 59.5 sacks in his career. Positive news and good to see McCoy being able to finish up. McCoy had a good, solid career. He He's probably unfortunate in the sense that he, he finished up in Tampa Bay around the time when they actually started winning things, but he was a great <laughs> servant for that team over many years and was a dominant force through the middle. Uh, you know, similar to kind of the linebacker position or safety position we talked about last time with the uh, New England guys who were retiring. It's hard to get those gaudy stacks, which kind of reflect how important you were, but Jerry McCoy was always an important player for the teams he played for until, uh, well, he did a bit of a late career uh, workaround. DeMar Hamlin like look obviously after having a heart attack on the field and people wondering if he was going to live and then up to is he ever going to be the same again to have him be fully healthy and being cleared to play football like obviously I think the first time you see them there'll be a bit of the hand and mouth type of thing but I'm sure he's got very very thorough medical testing both by his own doctors and by the Mm. Buffalo Bills doctors and he was a rising safety for them before that incident happened like he was a starter for that team which obviously was in Super Bowl contention so we all want to see him play and if he plays an entire season then you can pretty much wrap up the uh, comeback player of the year contest for 2023 Mm. yeah i mean it's great to see and i mean it does speak to advances in in medical science obviously this is you know used to be a thing where it was not only if not life-ending it certainly would be career-ending but we've seen other players in other sports bounce back from cardiac arrests on the field obviously christian erickson the danish footballer is the big one and it does seem that they can get back to a normal level maybe not at the level they used to play and you'd worry about people being overly cautious and such like in the first few times back out in the field but it is possible to get back in the swing of things hamlin is also he's 24 like he's Ericsson was 29 and he came back, relative, bounced back relatively well. So Hamlin's got his age in front of him. He's got all the skills and he's he's going to have all the support of the entire world behind him. So definitely everyone just wants to see him succeed and get back into his groove. It's amazing that he's still alive and, but even more amazing if he, if he you know, has, you know, comes back and, and has a major NFL career after uh, what has happened. Yeah. Boys, the draft is here. It's going to be a bit of crack. Do our mock afterwards. What we'll do first is we'll probably do a bit of a review of some of the prospects and give everyone kind of a, a quick overview of who their guys might be picking. Probably mostly in the first round, but there'll be some of these guys will be second rounders. Let's go talk some draft prospects. We'll do the structure we've been using for a while. We'll start off on offense and we'll go kind of through the three sections, really quarterback, skilled players and offensive linemen. And then we'll go on to the defense. We'll go first line, your kind of defensive line, edge boys, your second line, linebacker and stuff, and your third line, your corner, safeties, that kind of jazz. So uh, let's kick off with the quarterbacks. So we talked beforehand, there's a couple of teams in the hunt for here. Carolina, Houston, Indianapolis, Tampa Bay, Tennessee being top of there. But there's also a number of teams where there'd be question marks about whether or not they'd like to upgrade or whether they want to take development prospects with aging people behind them and even ones where the QB is not set looking at you the Jets who might be looking at acquiring a veteran but wanting to train someone up behind them so the top coming prospects here will be Bryce Young from Alabama CJ Stroud from Ohio State Anthony Richardson from Florida Will Levis from uh, Kentucky and Hendon Hooker from Tennessee with a few other guys behind them I suppose just give a quick 
High line of, we'll start with, with Bryce Young. So I think the pro comp you've put in here is kind of Drew Brees style fit. So kind of a playmaking quarterback, great intangibles, good feed, field reading and able to manipulate stuff with his eyes, good pocket presence in that, but a little bit undersized, some questions about some injuries at college and that he maybe doesn't have quite the hose on him that some of the other people do, you know? But like overall, people are quite excited about this guy. I think if he was three inches and 20 pounds heavier, I don't think there'd be too many concerns at all. It's a situation where all the views on him are incredibly positive. This is a guy that, if you want to make them the face of your franchise, makes a lot of sense. Like, this is a guy where people are talking about him having, like, elite-level pocket presence. Like, his ability to move around the pocket and to sense pressure and to kind of understand what he sees in front of him quickly is incredibly high and it shows up on tape again and again where he was really a phenomenon for Alabama like it's probably fair to make comparisons to some of the recent Alabama quarterbacks that come out like Tua like Mac Jones but this guy feels like like the similar strengths of those guys but even more so basically they he has the same ability to read the game he's been trained very well within that Nick Saban system but he also just has that little bit of extra I don't know what you call you want to call it spice um in terms of his ability to feel the game but also to be able to make good plays from outside the pocket like it's not something he leans on but if you get him outside the pocket and he has to kind of create stuff off the hoof he is also very very good at doing that and just those kind of things that are important at the NFL level that ability to manipulate manipulate the defense using your eyes, moving safeties around, that ability to make anticipation throws. Those are all the things that you see from Bryce Young that maybe you don't see from these other prospects. And those are the things that people get excited. So if you just need a guy that you can go, if this guy is healthy, we're going to be good. Then you should pick Bryce Young as the number one overall pick. And that's where the bookies are going right now. But he is small. And we see small guys like Kyler Murray have injury issues, albeit he's more aggressive in terms of the run game. And he doesn't have the most elite arm. But in terms of intangibles, he's, you know, well ahead of the other guys. But in many of the previews I've heard, people are already talking about him like, oh, I'm all right with having this guy for like 15 games or 12 games, whatever like that. And, you know, you have Andy Dalton to fill in. I would probably have a concern, you know, if you're going to stake your entire career on this guy, that if he gets hurt, which he was a little bit at college level, um, that that could be an issue. But like, look, beyond that, there's no reason why you wouldn't be picking this guy. Yeah. When we look at the we look at the the second player on the list here, CJ Stroud out of Ohio State. That's kind of that that's the knock on his game because he's, you know, accurate, he's able to throw, he's got some very very high level athletic stuff, but the question is does he have the anticipation, the feed reeling? So like can he throw a guy open or does he need to see a guy open before he lets the ball loose? And obviously that's one of the big things that are always flagged is the step up when you hit the college game into the NFL is that now everyone is at that level. You need to be a half a second quicker. It's it's it's, it's the processing speed and being able to see what's developing in front of you. So the comp you had here for him was, uh, was Dak Prescott. So like, you know, kind of very prototypical prospect should be completely fine, but maybe lacks a little bit of that high-end processing speed that you might want out of your truly elite level quarterbacks but he has all the physical traits what do you think Sean? Yeah I mean I don't think there's an awful lot between these two guys and obviously the likelihood is they're going to go one and two and the momentum seems to be behind Young as we'll see when we talk about the, our picks I might have a soft spot for Stroud I think he's maybe a little bit more the, the safer pick you know that he will have a good career regardless of what he does whereas maybe Bryce Young has a higher ceiling but maybe there's more likelihood that he might not you know not realize his potential he 
he Stroud had a great pro day. Team seemed really high. I mean, even the Panthers seemed to like him a lot. I mean, we talk about Young being better at reading defenses. Maybe I don't know if that's necessarily true. From from what I've been reading and hearing, he's 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 right up there as well in in terms of that. He's got much better stats or uh, marginally better stats, very least in terms of longer throws, which is obviously a very big part of what the NFL does now. Yes, the question is, I guess, about how do you make that transition from college to pro, in particular things like mobility and when plays break down that kind of off script that Mahomes type magic stuff that maybe he doesn't quite have that or hasn't demonstrated that he has and that maybe has been a hampering we think about Zach Wilson for example in the way that his inability to react to situations breaking down or his poor decision making in that scenario has kind of destroyed his ability to be an NFL starter so that would be something to highlight as to whether Stroud can make that transition towards the more chaotic environment of the NFL I think the thing is once we start comparing Stroud to Young you say that Young is better I think it, it denigrates Stroud a bit I think he's going to be a, a great pro and I think he's going to be a very very big talent and certainly in a lot of years he would be an unquestioned number one he might end up going number two this year because because of Bryce Young but certainly he's you know he's not someone to, to forget about or neglect because he's maybe not quite the, the best talent in, in his field he certainly will be useful and potentially a star in the NFL uh, he's got all he's got all the he's all, got all the intangibles and the tangibles just there are some one or two questions about about certain parts of his game you know, 10 years ago, CJ Stroud probably would be the number one overall pick because he has those prototypical yeah. traits people look for. The word that comes up a lot about him is the robotic. Like he just kind of, like, you know, if, if what he sees is what he expected, then he has all of the tools to make great plays from that. And even is, he's pretty good off his back foot and stuff like that. He can make throws. He's got a great arm, but can he decipher when a defense is trying to trick him when they're trying to you know throw him off his game i think the one big thing from him is that his kind of stock was drifting kind of down through the college season but he saved his best game uh, for the college semi-finals against georgia which is by far the best uh, defense at the college level last year and he had one of his best games and the big thing he did in that game is he started using his legs and he showed his athleticism which is something he didn't really have to do much at the college level and i think that's he's he kind of shot back up right to the top of board because mm. if he can be a guy who can make plays outside the pocket while still having this very safe passing ability, then that's going to be something which is going to intrigue people. But like, you know, at Ohio State, he did have such ridiculous wide receiver talent. Like, he, you know, 2021, he had uh, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think just people see him and they don't see that kind of... the. F- those kind of improvisational Mahomes, Josh Allen things that people are starting to value with him. But basically the traditional things you want from the quarterback, he has all of those things. Yeah. Then we've got kind of wild card coming in here in Anthony Richardson from Florida. So the comp is obviously going to end up being Cam Newton because this guy is just off the charts, physical freak, wide receiver, athlete, linebacker, body kind of can run in the ground, strong arm, very fast, very, very powerful. The big knock, I suppose, like or the major knock is that he hasn't really got that much experience. He's had 12 games as a quarterback, I believe, a six and six record. So like there's a lot of a lot of the stuff that you would expect to be kind of already baked into a, to a top end quarterback prospect are still under development. So there's mechanics, pocket poise, anticipation, things like that are probably not there, but it's the kind, it's the kind of player when you throw on some highlights and you just kind of go, you could imagine the coaches salivating at the idea of having this guy in their offense. The question is, is it something that you can build an entire offense around? Is he the kind of player who will, be able to develop his skill set as it as it goes to kind of give you more options or will you kind of end up being a little bit restricted in what you can run as an offensive scheme with him but like everything pops off the tape for him like he looks incredible he's fast he'd be terrifying for defenses i think 
yeah, it, 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 it's an intriguing one because, as you said, most of the ones we're talking about in this draft are kind of classic or very close to classic quarterback prospects, whereas this is not your not your standard at all. Your your relative athletic score for this guy, which is now the, the big kind of how freaky are these guys, he's basically off the charts there. He's like a 10 out of 10. And this guy, as an athlete, is just ridiculous. This guy could play wide receiver. He could play linebacker. He could be one, like he would be top 10 at pretty much any position that he wanted to play at if he had a year's experience. But he happens to have a year experience at quarterback, which obviously quarterback's a very valuable position, but it's probably the one position where, you know, you can't just get by on traits alone. Like you do need to have that capacity to make the well we have seen some successes in recent years from people who maybe didn't come out with the best best kind of quarterback processing people like Lamar Jackson people like Cam Newton and those guys have succeeded because teams have built their franchise around them in the appropriate way although Lamar obviously now that's a bit more of an issue those guys had lots of success and lots of experience at the college level this guy has literally only one season and it was a pretty poor season overall for Florida last year but people are saying that the supporting cast was pretty bad that's a a program that's had a few bad years Uh, so this is really a project this is a guy that in an ideal world would go to a franchise that already has a veteran like somewhere like the Seahawks where they have Geno Smith and then they can do the Patrick Mahomes Alex Smith program and kind of not throw this guy in straight away and have like maybe Malik Willis level like meltdowns occur but let him learn the game let him be mentored and then when he gets onto the field either in a year from now or maybe ideally maybe two years from now you might have a guy who could fundamentally change what it means to be a quarterback in this league like we saw from Cam Newton when he came in because this guy his upside is basically infinite like there's no reason why this guy couldn't be the best quarterback in the entire league be that Patrick Mahomes style star but he's a guy who's much further away so he feels almost like Trey Lance a few years ago where you know the potential is all there but you know you need to put him in the right environment and he has to have the right look to really get there but I think one thing to say about him is that you know despite the fact that he's this athletic freak he's not a Michael Vick guy he's a guy who in the limited college shape he has was a guy who seemed to be trying to play within the pocket to play like a franchise quarterback and showed pretty good traits for a guy who literally had no starting experience before this year so it's not just that you're buying like you know like an athletic freak who's just all like read read action kind of uh, running the ball this is a guy who wants to throw the ball who has a big arm and can throw the ball but obviously with that combined with his ability to make huge improvisational plays and you can see his highlight reel and see these like 80 60 yard uh, runs that's the kind of thing that someone's going to salivate over and someone's going to pick him pretty high. It's just a matter, is he going to a team that's going to put him in there straight away and say, save our franchise? Or is he going to go to a team that already has someone and says, you're our future, but we want you to, we want to give you the room to grow and learn and know what it is to be a quarterback, the kind of room that you didn't get at Florida, which basically had gone through a bunch of coaches while he was there. Coaching is going to be essential. A, a talent like this, which is very raw, we've seen as the NFL evolves closer to the college game, or at least begins to incorporate college game style quarterback play. We've seen more and more of these players coming through and it, it very often the difference between a success and a failure is if they get the right coaching, especially early on in their career. So the team that coaches them has to know that this is a project. This is not a first guy, first game starter. This is a guy you might need a year or, or two years of, of training up before he's ready to, to play in the NFL. Yeah, and this is the last one that we kind of have a first round grade on would be uh, Will Levis. So he's out of Kentucky. The comp we have here is Matt Stafford for him. So again, like I said, similar to the top two, prototype style, good arm, good size, good athleticism, like should be able to produce the NFL level. He's got experience in pro and college style offensive schemes, so he should be fine, has done so with 
you know, would say we talked about like the the receiving core that some of these other guys had had at times. Like it's not really had the supporting casts, and you know that did mean that they had a slightly down year last year. And I think he had a bit of an injury concern as well. But yeah, like similar to the to the other guys as well. Like some questions about would he be able to read the field and work through his progressions fully, kind of thing. In another year where we don't have all these guys out at the same time, would probably be right up there at the top with them. And I imagine might be pushing in given. Given the wild card nature of Richardson, might be pushing into the third slot instead of the fourth slot, but we'll see how that breaks down. But I'd say nothing too flashy in that, like, it's not the kind of one that jumps off the page, but like, you know, sometimes you don't need a home run hitter. Sometimes you need someone who'll get you two bases each time. You mentioned Matt Stafford here. The comparison I've also heard is Josh Allen, that he has that, you know, he has the great mobility. He has elite arm strength, but he needs to work on his reading. He needs to work on his progressions. He needs to work on the that, those kinds of mechanics that the being a more mature quarterback. So again, maybe a little bit of, of a project guy, um, not someone to stick in straight away. With the Richardson-Levis thing, it, it comes down to what kind of QB play you want. I, I do think there are different styles of QB now emerging in the NFL and, and the old style quarterback I think you do need to have that kind of mobility behind it and, and the the ability to both read the field and, and to go on the fly and maybe Levis is missing a little bit in terms of that as well so again this thing outside of Young and Stroud we're maybe looking at, at some guys who are, are more project second year kind of starters as opposed to straight out of the straight out of the bag the, the Josh Allen comparison he does have some kind of physical traits of Josh Allen he's probably like a poor man's Josh Allen if you're thinking in terms of arm strength and athleticism because obviously Josh Allen's a bit of a freak uh, but that kind of comparison to Josh Allen at Wyoming where he basically didn't have the greatest like numbers because Wyoming was a you know second rate program that kind of is why he's kind of got those comps I think the other thing to note about him is he had a very poor 2022 but it's known that he was playing with a foot injury basically the entire season and that had a major effect on both his mechanics in terms of throwing but also obviously kind of tamping down his athleticism his 2021 tape is why he was getting Josh Allen comparisons so if he's fully healthy and he has experience within a pro level system at the college level he's probably a little bit more complete than Anthony Richardson but obviously doesn't quite have that same sky high upside so I think there's some guys who are saying he's been kind of unfairly thrown down a bit because of the 2022 situation with the injury but you know there was enough like black marks on his tape and we know that for every Josh Allen there's four or five guys who you know never make that leap and continue yeah. to be just backup type guys or fall out of the league because they can't work on their mechanics an interesting player but he has kind of fallen through the process I feel like over the last year or so just a couple of other names keep an eye out for Hendon Hooker Tanner McKee uh, Stetson Bennett which is a fantastic name and uh, Jaron Hall are all people who you might see now I imagine most of them will be day two day three stuff yeah, yeah Hooker think- might make the first round like there's very conflicting views on him some people see him as kind kind of a nice rhythm passer if you're in a system where you know you're able to scheme people open like say San Francisco he's quite good at that but he's an older prospect at 25 you have this kind of super senior phenomenon from the COVID situation and he's coming off an ACL injury and there's that 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 kind of C system those that full system apparently is very QB friendly so some mm. people think he's the tape says he could be a first rounder but other people think he's you know that he's now nowhere worth that he's like a second a day two kind of guy completely yeah. let's move on to the skill position stuff so obviously a lot of player teams always looking for this of note in particular Carolina Dallas Chargers Houston New England it's not a great year for wide receiver or at least traditional wide receiver ones there's a lot of tight ends in this draft uh, I think the top of the skill position is and we're going to talk about him in a second is running back Bijan Robinson but we'll come back to him after we talk about the others I think there's a bit of a broader discussion about running backs in general so like pass 
category type ones, uh, Jackson Smith and Duja is kind of quite high up on people's lists. Then you hit kind of tight ends, so Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer, and then there's a couple of interesting wide receivers underneath that. So like Zay Flowers, who I think was down in Texas working out with Pat Mahomes during the week, Jordan Addison, a few people like that. So it's it's an interesting one. So we'll start with B. John Robinson. This guy is seen as a generational style running back talent. The comp we have here is Saquon Barkley on it and that he would just be your three down bell cow. Really fast, really powerful, can get around the corners, can run through defenders. He's good at pass catching. He can block really well. Yeah, like maybe, maybe he's not like an absolute top end burner but to be honest he's got got the shiftiness and the power to kind of survive without having that absolute top speed kind of stuff so this guy very much looks like the full package like kind of an almost can't miss kind of prospect which is an interesting one given the dynamics we've talked about the running back stuff a few times this year this guy's a top end talent who I think would struggle we'd struggle to see a way where he gets taken in the top 10 really right because Everyone undervalues running backs. No one wants to spend the first round pick on them, particularly not the higher up picks. Like I think we'll come to our drafts in a while, but like we've all got him falling down. But this guy could well be a kind of a, a franchise turner around. The phrase I've heard is that Bijan Robinson is a generational talent, but in the wrong generation. That you know, <laughs> again, fifteen years ago he'd be he'd be top ten, top five. But now running backs are they don't have very long shelf life. They you know they get injured very quickly they're just not very valued people don't draft them anymore they they don't draft them high because you can wait to go down a level or you can get a veteran to do your thing etc etc and the more teams moving away from the run game towards the pass game in general he's, he's going to be downgraded wherever he turns up he will be a big talent and it will be interesting to see if teams trying to build them around them uh, you know the way the way the titans have built around derrick henry for example that's maybe what we're looking at a team that that is willing to become a run first team around a generational talent he, he he can also, you know, he can also receive. He can, he can, he can field handouts. He can be on the outside. He can do basically everything. He's another uh, quote I heard that he was basically not just the best running back in the draft. He's probably the best athlete in general in the draft. So it's an interesting thing with, with the right coach in the right scenario. They could turn him into something interesting. Maybe the next evolution of the running back that could change the nature of the NFL uh, rush game. But if he ends up in the wrong place, he could end up being completely undervalued and underused for a very long time. So. With the right place, he would be a great talent, but it's going to be interesting to see who's going to pick him up. The history is rife with running backs in recent years that go to teams and are great, but don't matter because the team still doesn't win. So I think Bijan Robinson is kind of like the cherry on top just because of the, the nature of the position. But he's able to make, you know, he's a kind of runner who's as explosive as Saquon Barkley, but has the hands of CMC. That's the kind of comparisons you're talking mm. about here. A guy who could genuinely be a game-changing weapon so if you're a team that's looking to go over a top like if you're a team like philly which is in the top 10 or if he somehow slides down towards the bottom where you have teams like uh, cowboys he seems like a perfect cowboy since he went to texas a&m buffalo somehow he got there seems like a good candidate like someone's gonna get a real weapon there but like it's just a matter of whether he'll make a big enough difference to matter in terms of your actual win-loss record i suppose in terms of the other positions like 
in terms in terms of all the running backs, Jameer Gibbs is probably the only one who might slip into the first round, probably more of a day two guy. Kind of getting a lot of Alvin Kamara comparisons, very great ca- pass catching running back with that kind of elite shiftiness and acceleration that makes him, you know, suddenly he looks like he's caught and then suddenly he's making a big play for you and obviously did a lot of success there in the Alabama program. But because he's a smaller guy and he doesn't have that much tread in the tires, maybe he makes more sense as a kind of 1A uh, rather than kind of your, if you want the traditional bell cow, B. John Robinson is your guy. Once you get past that running back, there isn't really any other big names like Zach Charbonnet uh, might be your top one. Like Hunter Luke it's been bigged up as potentially a, 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 a like a top end fullback. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of B. John Robinson or bust if you're looking to get that true elite running back. In terms of the other positions, wide receiver, it's interesting. Like the top one is probably Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. Again, getting some comparisons to CD Lamb. He's kind of weird because his athletic traits aren't really off the charts. He's kind of small. A lot of people see him as like really a slot-only guy, but I think if you're looking at a specific role, and it's really that kind of option route role that you've seen so much success for guys like Cooper Cup or guys like Keenan Allen, that this guy seems like a candidate to potentially be that kind of playmaker. This guy, in the when he was playing in 2021, alongside Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, who've just been two of the best rookie receivers um, last year, he was the top option. He was the guy making the most yards. He just seems like a guy who knows how to get into just the right places in the zone and then not only just get there and catch the ball and just fall over but actually turn that into yards after the catch with his shiftiness and his ability and his fluidity and, and wiggle for lack of a better term so you know he's he's small he's not like your prototypical like Jamar Chase kind of guy who's going to be like you know doing the traditional Moss Calvin uh, Calvin type stuff but yeah. you know and it's kind of weird because like there's a bunch of undersized receivers like say Flowers is a bit more athletic but he's also a bit undersized some people yeah. think he might be an Antonio Brown type guy jordan addison's very similar he's kind of your poor man smitten jigba smaller guy but if you want like a a typical wide receiver quinton johnson is probably the highest level but there's big questions over his toughness and his ability to make contested catches so it's an interesting wide receiver class which is in contrast to tight end where there seems to be a lot of depth this year yeah tight end is there's there's a load of guys who are testing off the charts sounds like there's going to be plenty of options that your top ones there be dalton Kincaid, michael meyer probably be your 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 two big ones and then like darnell washington luke musgrave beyond that but like proper for elite level pass catching tight ends guys who have good histories of being able to do blocking and stuff as well so like if, if you're either a team who looks for a tight end is looking for like I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to see if the Chiefs start looking at a world post Travis Kelsey to start looking to try and get someone if someone was to fall a bit in that area but yeah it's a much better draft for tight ends than it is for wide receivers I would and, say and there's good variety as well because Kincaid's kind of your I suppose the new age tight end who loves catching the ball getting compared to Zach Ertz maybe even being a Travis Kelsey type like he's not a guy like he can he can block he's not bad at blocking but that's not his strength and maybe he doesn't have that kind of Gronk level athleticism that you know scares everyone but if you want a guy who will catch everything that goes his way Dalton Kincaid has the tape to consider that he could do that and he has good route running and he has the speed to be a sufficient weapon against uh, linebackers and safety whereas if you want to do it all safety Michael Meyer maybe doesn't have those kind of freak athleticism but if you want someone who can block well who can catch well who just could be a fit in pretty much any offense he's going to compare to Jason Witten kind of that just classic tight end he's the guy that you might want to look at but if you want a guy who can block Darnell Washington is an absolute monster of a man I think he's like like basketball type 
proportions and strength. Yeah. Um, he's a guy who can just rush people off the ball everywhere. He's getting some consideration maybe at the bottom of the first round, but he's unproven as a pass catcher, but he's the kind of guy who has the upside where where he could be. Like I almost think of like Indianapolis Colts where they already have like two massive tight ends and they add in Darnell Washington, some of these, some of these tree tower guys. It's like <laughs> walking around. Yeah, tight end, those three guys are probably the top three, but there's plenty of depth beyond that. If you need to pick up someone who could be a contributor, this is probably one of the better years. Yeah, let's move on to the offensive line. So this kind of covers off everything on the line. There's a couple of first round level talents here. Like I said, I think we're lacking the the truly top end, top end kind of stuff. We've got maybe maybe Skaronski is, is would be that, but like it seems to be mostly like quite high floor stuff maybe decent ceilings on guys but like there's, there's a lot of essentially it sounds like safe plug and player type type guys so we'll say uh, Peter Saronski from Northwestern Paris Johnson from Ohio State Broderick Jones from Georgia Darnell Wright from Tennessee Desiris Tarns from Florida in addition to the likes of Steve Avilia Joe Tipman Cody Mock uh, Dylan Jones John Michael Schwartz and Anton Harrison now I think the big the big divider here is going to be the type of blocking schemes that teams want to play and I suppose to, to, to a certain extent what they're looking for from the players, whether they want you know someone who's going to be a guard who could maybe kick outside and cover as a tackle or if they want to make sure this person is, we're going to be taking them to play tackle kind of stuff. So like Saronski's the the definitely top guy. Paris Johnson just very flexible. There's a couple of tackle guys there as well. But like overall, it's very it's very hard to talk about offensive linemen without talking about them in the context of what teams like to do with their lines. So it's a bit it's a bit hard to give people a high level overview of these guys. Yeah, like Skaronski is probably the 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 safe safest floor. He's a guy who's got really good technique. He's got really good play recognition. He plays with good strength. He maximizes his talent and he works well both in the run game and the passing game. So he's safe, but you know, I don't want to say it's like you have to have arms this long to play tackle, but that's basically what people are saying that he has T-Rex arms for a tackle and that he may have to move inside. But we've seen guys like Zach Martin make that transition at the pros and be obviously all pro type talents. So that's what people are seeing. It's if you want to draft him as a tackle he could probably do a job for you but if you're a guy who thinks you can kick him inside and do the requisite you know changes required for that he could be an all pro type guy at that position maybe a little bit work on his anchor um like kind of playing stronger to kind of stop the kind of bull rush from truly elite defensive linemen but that's about it the rest of the guys at the tackle positions that's your Paris Johnson your Broderick Jones your Darnell Wright they all have their own strengths and weaknesses, but the big thing with all of them is that they're kind of raw. They're all a little bit inexperienced and they will all yeah. need good training up to kind of get up there. But they all have those kind of wow uh, characteristics that coaches will be interested in. I think, mm. you know, Paris Johnson has played some guard as well. So he's a guy you could kick inside necessarily early on if you need to kind of build him up since it's a little bit simpler in the inside. Uh, Broderick Jones is just a big guy and he's really strong. So you kind of want to get him going there. And Darnell Wright, if you like your nastier offensive lineman, he's probably the guy for you. He doesn't, he you know, he, he doesn't just, isn't just big and strong. He's also a bit of a dick and some people pretend to prefer those kind of guys. So, although yeah. that often gets him into trouble because he tends to fall over sometimes when he kind of goes for the guy too aggressively. In terms of interior offensive lineman, it's not an elite class. Probably the top guy is Osiris Torrance, who's just basically 
wide. That's his biggest strength. He's big and wide and difficult to get around. And, you know, there are those tackles on the other side where that's basically enough. And he has good enough play and he has good play rec and, and hand technique. So he's not just wide, but wideness is certainly his biggest trait that means that he will probably be at, have a very safe floor. And then beyond that, you know, there's guys who might sneak into the end of the first round, like Daywin Jones or Anton Harrison, but they're all kind of interchangeable. Like it's it's a solid class, but there's not really those can't-miss prospects this year. Yeah, because I think you'll, you'll see on my draft, I've got Anton Harrison coming into the first round, but like it's it's kind of what you said, that some of these guys are raw, whereas like I, I was looking at his bits and going like, Man, he's, he's he's got a lot of snaps under his belt and he's played well. Like he's maybe lacking one or two of the measurable stuff, but like I think nearly two thousand snaps played. He's not. He's like like four or five sacks in two years over a thousand snaps. Is like that kind of reliability is what I'd be after. But that's not necessarily if someone wants to build like a mauling rush line. That might not be what they're after. So yeah, we'll see. Like- We'll kind of think we'll, we'll probably talk about it in our mocks when we're talking about like why we think they're going to go for this guy kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, like the guys get hyped are the guys who have the, either their yeah, really good tape or they have the prototypical look. They look like offensive linemen, and to a certain extent, at the NFL level, because of the defensive linemen are getting way ridiculous. Uh, athleticism which we're talking about in a moment at some point no matter how good you are you're going to get bullied unless you have a certain level of interior strength to you and so the guys like you know Harrison who are a bit more experienced end up being you know a little bit below these guys are getting hyped up as being more prototypical strong let me see what I can do with them kind of guys like Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones down right so let's move over to the defense so let's start in the first row kind of defensive line edge inside D-line that kind of stuff top couple names here probably uh, Jalen Carter out of Georgia Will Anderson out of Alabama Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech uh, Miles Murphy from Clemson and Lucas Van Ness from Iowa those are probably the majority of your first round guys there's a few other ones who might sneak in but we'll, we'll, we'll kind of we'll, we'll deal maybe with the top three of these guys so Jalen Carter is kind of the big can't miss defensive player that uh, we're looking at on this one generational defensive line talent can work pretty much in any scheme he's got strength he's got explosiveness he's got technique like he had some off-field issues recently and he didn't have a fantastic pro day performance basically given the tape given what people have seen from him given his measurables and everything i think people are kind of going we don't care that much the comp we have down here for him is jeffrey simmons but like this is barring trades for people to try and lock down quarterbacks this is this is a locked in top five right well, I mean, it depends. I mean, I, I do think there are questions over over the maturity thing, and there are safer picks. I mean, someone like Tyree Wilson is perhaps a safer a safer prospect in terms of that. Obviously, Carter's got a huge upside, and his ceiling looks like to be immense. And I mean, the the thing that really stands out to me is that you know you watch any you watch any college football, and the defenses are absolutely awful. And yet, I've seen only one good defense in in the entire in all of the college football I've ever watched, and that was the Georgia defense of 2021. And he was the he was the guy in that in that system. Him. So yeah, he's yeah. obviously got he's obviously a great talent and he's going to step up, but he's he's going to need coaching. It, it's a little bit raw in terms of you know what he can do. Uh, he's got athleticism and physical strength and such like. He may not have that technical refinement yet. His rushing in, in terms of attacking, like say pass blocking schemes, there's some kind of questions over that. He relies on certain moves other than other moves. I, I don't you know I'm not I'm not enough of a defensive lineman expert to know the quite details, but he he's been said that he over relies on certain moves and he maybe doesn't have all the the pieces in his locker that it's a lot of it's raw talent but not but again this is the question of all drafts do you pick someone who can 
plug in day one to play in your system or do you try and develop the talent? And it comes down ultimately to coaches, which coaches want to do that and which coaches are capable of doing that. So if you want the safer pick, maybe someone like Terry Wilson becomes an option, but Jalen Carter has the higher upside, definitely. If all the draft analysts are like, if you look at the tape, the tape is immaculate. Basically, they go, the tape cannot be denied. And if you just go off a tape, this is the best player in the entire class but he's had a disastrous pre-draft process you know obviously we we talked about the legal situation when he got the you know the misdemeanor charge related to a crash in which another player and a coach died earlier this year his pro day performance he literally ran out of gas he couldn't finish his pro day performance and there were questionings questions over his 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 ability to play like you know 500 600 snaps in the season he's been kept on a limited relatively limited snap count for a guy this dominant which to, to a certain extent it's because Georgia have so much depth but also you know will he have the conditioning to be a consistent force but if if he just does what he did at college and he lives up to that reputation but only plays as like you know a 60 70 70 starter mm-hmm. uh, of the snaps that's still huge production you're getting well, this, and this, this is the thing he's, he's like, not going to fall out of the top 10 not not, like not similar to what you're saying on Young about like people going well uh, we'd maybe take him for 13 games a season there's a there's a lot of coaches and analysts in the media saying like Jalen Carter is kind of like look if he plays 60% of the snaps and he's dominant on 60% of the snaps I'd take that in a heartbeat kind of thing you know and then like try and you know get him into your weight rooms and into your conditioning programs and make sure that you can kind of build him up to that to that higher level yeah he he has succeeded at all like he's good in the run game he has a amazing ability to be kind of locked up with the receiver but to have his eyes in the backfield and to fall onto the running back um so if you need him to take up gaps he can do that but when he's allowed to 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 go through the gaps when he's actually asked to go upfield that's when his skills truly come through and he looks like he looks like a freak like i think he's getting comparisons to jeffrey simmons to fletcher cox to to sue like you know the only person he's not going to compare to is aaron donald because he's he's more prototypical than aaron donald uh basically but he has that kind of upside and on the best defense in, in college as sean said he's being called the best person on that defense this year and the year prior to that when they were even better so you know, someone's gonna you know fuck the off the off the field stuff so unless there's something really bad in his locker that everyone is not saying the teams all know about then there's yeah. no reason he's not gonna be a very high pick like number two will anderson here is like I don't want to say the opposite, but like basically the the, the big push in him, the comp you have here is, is Von Miller is like he's he knows his technique inside out. He's got excellent production similar to him, but it his his concerns might be actual physical traits rather than technical ability because he seems to have kind of worked as a technician at getting all of his pass rush moves and stuff to up to absolute top level. Again, someone who'd be expected to come in and work away from from the get go. Obviously the the caveat I always put on this is everyone, when you have a high-end kind of draft prospect who's going to be a pass rusher, everyone expects to see big numbers. But just historically, you don't tend to get big sack numbers out of rookies. They'll get, they might get a lot of pressures and stuff. But I think Will Anderson is the kind of person who will be able to make a big impact, even if it's not in sack numbers. It's going to be pressures and flushing people out of pockets. And if you could put him with someone else, and I'm not sure who we've all got him dra- drafted to, but I think if you could get him on a line where he's part of kind of two elements of a rush he would be very very difficult to deal with 
at some point you just need to trust the production and will anderson has production that's pretty much off the charts like he had 17 and a half sacks in 2021 he had 10 sacks last year in a season which you know i think some people were saying that he was you know to a certain extent he'd proven what he needed to prove and he wasn't going to kind of go out there and destroy himself and i think it's kind of similar between him and tyree wilson as the aiden hutton versus trayvon walker thing last year mm-hmm. where will anderson maybe doesn't have the kind of oh my god look at these uh, 40 times look at this strength how many reps he can like lift the thing well, as many times you could tell i can go to gym a lot but anyway this is a situation <laughs> where he will can lift a- the rep things yeah <laughs> <laughs> will-, will anderson he gets sacks, he makes production, he's good against the run, he knows what he's doing. And these technician guys, like if you go back a few years ago when it's like Bosa was kind of being pushed down a bit, it's like, oh, so he doesn't have the elite traits. Like, forget about the traits. These guys who can get sacks, and like, look, maybe at the next level, because he doesn't have like the truly ridiculous elite stats, he's a guy who only gets like 10 to 15 sacks. He's never going to go for the sack record. But, you know, if you give a guy who you can guarantee you like 10 sacks a season or more, oh, yeah. any him, team would take, take that. And that's, that's like top five, top 10 talent right there. And I think like Von Miller, like is a guy who back in the day wasn't the, the biggest guy, was a little bit undersized. And yet Von Miller has been one of the best of edge rushers in the league throughout his entire career. And I think Will Anderson, I think he's a victim of the draft process where people have to find things to talk about and pick like little things into his game and just talk about like, you know, oh, look at Tyree Wilson. He's way stronger. But if you're talking about a guy who you can put in there day one and know what he's going to do and succeed like Aiden Hutchinson last year I think Will Anderson is the obvious choice to take if you want an edge rusher yeah and then obviously you mentioned him there Tyree Wilson probably be third on our on our locks and we kind of compare him to Carlos Dunlop very prototypical kind of edge rusher he's got length he's got speed he's got power yeah he should be able to to to, to do well he has high-end motor like he, he he in theory just should be like okay I always hate because like these guys are very good but I but like you know the kind of Put him in there and forget about him. It maybe won't be as splashy as 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 other guys would be, but you can just rely on him to do a load of stuff. He doesn't have the best get off in the league. Like you know, he doesn't maybe have all of the tools that you want. But like, if you can take him into a system that has a decent defensive line coach or a, maybe a defensive minded head coach who knows how he wants to scheme him up, I I think it's just a relatively safe can put him in there and you'll get production. Uh, maybe not in your kind of fourteen sack range or maybe not quite all that stuff but like i would be very happy to have this guy as a cornerstone piece on a defensive line there are some questions about what position he should play specifically yeah, he's a little he's bit in between the, the talent for edge he, he may not have this the kind of the quickness of thought and quickness of speed to play edge in the nfl and if he doesn't do that then then where do you put him and where do you deal with his physical dominance and the such like so the problem is with decision making and and stuff technique you can work on that coaching but if someone does not have the the speed or the strength skills or whatever that's a very difficult thing to 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 build up and and improve on so the question is where do you put him and if he if he falls between two boxes i mean that ends up maybe he doesn't get as many snaps as he should in terms of edge rushers in general it's a pretty deep class like there's a a pretty good solid second like tier of guys after Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson, Miles Murphy and Lucas Van Ness have both been talked about. These are kind of guys who have that kind of prototypical strength. And I think just both of them are guys who might be kick inside on like third down, but can play edge on first down and be solid against the run. Like Miles Murphy's just big and strong and powerful, but hasn't really turned that into production at the college level in terms of sacks. So there's a little bit of concern there that you need to train him up. And similar with Lucas Van Ness, who was 
a part-time player at Iowa, but basically was called Hercules because he's an absolute freak of a man. So he kind of, like I have mocked to, I think, the, the Lions because that feels like a Lions pick or like mm. an Eagles pick. Just a guy who's like, we can train this guy. We can make him better. But even guys like Will McDonald, uh, Biji Olajari, Felix Nduke Uzoma, these are guys who are all solid players. There's another guys beyond that. Whereas the defensive tackle position, it's a little bit thinner. You have guys like Kalija Kansi, who some people are really high on, some people are much lower on because he's more of a kind of piercing defensive tackle, a little bit undersized. Some people think he's Aaron Donald. Some think people each think he's an undersized guy who will get washed out at the NFL level. But if you want someone more traditional, Brian Breesy might be a solid option. And if you need beef, then no tackle Mazzy Smith is probably your top option. And there's a couple of other, but there's not too many like big guys, I suppose. Like I think it's, I think the college it'll take a little bit of time for college to catch up that the the beef guys guys who can occupy gaps is what the nfl wants right now and you're kind of still seeing a little bit of the uh, kind of previous system like the seahawks type system where they wanted piercing type defensive linemen so it's interesting to kind of see that evolution yeah jalen carter is you know way way above those other guys who are like proper defensive tackles the rest is kind of end of round one round two day two type guys yeah, let's move to the second level of the defense. There's a few less kind of standouts to talk about here. So your top options, linebacker, be Nolan Smith, Drew Sanders, Trenton Simpson, Jack Campbell, and then you've got some box safeties like Jordan Battle and stuff coming in there as well. Nolan Smith is probably a first-rounder. Beyond that, some might drop up, some might drop down. Nolan Smith's a bit of a cheat. He's kind of more of a edgy, linebacker, kind of. edge, yeah. hybrid type guy getting compared to Hassan Reddick, but... We had enough edge rushers already in the previous position, so I was like, okay, we might, we should at least have someone who's called a linebacker in the first round, and <laughs> Nolan Smith, given his elite athletic traits, yeah. is likely to be in there. But once you get beyond that, you have Drew Sanders, who's kind of a, a Swiss Army knife kind of guy, has good athleticism, can kind of go around, but isn't that experienced, really, basically. He doesn't kind of read the game at the highest level because he just hasn't seen enough of it yet, so you need a little bit of time to get him there compared to someone like Jack Campbell, who basically, day one, put him in, he'll do solid work for you, kind of late and Van Der Esch, like nothing flashy but perfectly fine and then if you want someone who can go uh, like feel the entire length of the field Trenton Simpson's the guy from Clemson who's kind of got that flexibility might even be seen as more of a linebacker safety type hybrid for a traditional kind of strong safety Jordan Battle is probably your best option but it's not a it's it's not a it's not a position of strength and to be honest like we know linebacker and strong safety these guys are getting devalued and that's probably reflected in the level of talent that that people like if you could avoid being in this position a lot of people just are move on to the third level of the defense these are your cornerbacks free safeties that kind of stuff there's decent depth at this position i think we'll probably see four to five guys in the first round and then there's a few ones who might be able to push up or you know depending on how the board falls and that top of the class is probably christian gonzalez and devon witherspoon and then you'd also like Joey Porter Jr., Brian Branch, Deonta Banks, Kili Ringo, Cam Smith, a few people like that that might slip in. But yeah, so we'll talk about the top two guys anyway. Oregon's Christian Gonzalez and uh, Illinois' Devin Witherspoon. So Gonzalez, kind of a leaf athlete, very, very quick, able to get his body around very quickly, kind of has potential to be the old shutdown corner. I don't think I'd put him quite on the Sauce Gardner kind of no, prospect no, no. level, but, you know, still top end, like just maybe not, you know, plug and play defensive player of the year style stuff he needs a bit of work on his press man coverage he played off quite a bit in college and yeah like maybe I suppose it's a question of what you want like he's very good at not having completions he's maybe less good at keeping an eye out for the ball and coming back down with it and stuff like that so he might not be the big splashy playmaker that the kind of you know the kind of defense that like say the Chiefs in that play where it's you know they don't they, they, they kind of bend and just hope to have one or two big plays versus the kind of like actual shutdown defenses but this guy is like top 
top of his class in the kind of shutdown side of things, if maybe not the explosive playmaking. He's got all the, the pieces that he needs. He's got great, you know, instinct, great awareness, uh, especially in zone, apparently. And he's, he's relied upon in, you know, the th- big thing about cornerbacks is can they win in, in a in a one-on-one 50-50 kind of situation? And that's where you kind of, he seems to be able to do that. There are a little bit of questions maybe about his, his strength at this level. I mean, obviously, NFL wide receivers are maybe slightly bigger and more muscular than, than college wide receivers. So that's a step up he needs to do. But that's very much a development thing. I mean, there's very few players who come into the NFL day one ready to compete. But definitely, yeah. he's got Pro Bowl written on his name uh, early enough in his career, as long as he builds upon those instincts refines them into technique and again that's something that good coaching can do with uh, and yeah maybe work on the on the ball handling and the interceptions as well but definitely he's got it all and and he will be a star if if the stars align uh, as they should it depends what you want out of your top cornerback basically mm-hmm. between gonzalez and witherspoon like gonzalez is the guy with the fluidity with the high-end ceiling and he has shown enough at the college level that he could be that guy who can dominate and create an island for himself whereas someone like devin witherspoon in comparison to Gio alexander kind of a bit like richard sherman he kind of has he plays the game at a higher level he thinks almost like a wide receiver his ability to understand what the quarterback is thinking what the wide receiver thinking means that he has an uh, almost eerie way to kind of shut down plays before they even happen he has a really stops completions at a high rate it's able to get to the ball a lot although doesn't necessarily turn into a huge amount of interceptions but he does pa- break up the pass a lot and despite the fact he doesn't have those like off the chart athleticism that Christian Gonzalez has he still seems to win so if you're a guy who favors your more cerebral cornerback a guy who can win basically who's more about winning than necessarily like dominating then that's a guy like Devin Witherspoon can do a good job of that and when you go to the like there is a really deep kind of second tier of cornerbacks like you have Joey Porter Jr. Deontay Banks Keely Ringo Cam Smith Tyreek Stevenson there's even more names beyond that like Joey Porter Jr. is obviously the guy kind of getting a lot of hype just because he's got the Joey Porter name obviously a very famous defensive back for the Steelers about was it 10-15 years ago at this point he's a guy who plays like his father very aggressive very handsy likes to get up in the face of the wide receiver kind of old school style but at the next level he might need to tone that down a little bit because I don't know if he's noted but the NFL rules have changed a bit since his dad played so he'll need to be a bit more maybe keep his eyes on and he, he doesn't have the same hip fluidity of the, some of these other guys like in terms of being able to like if he's beat he tends to be beat and he doesn't have that capacity to kind of make up for it sometimes um, when he, he has to make that change of direction like, like it's kind of weird because he is a, a lot of tape shows that he can't do that but he gets really top wide receivers who see the NFL I think that might get exposed more whereas Banks and Smith uh, these ha- have really and Ring- Ringo these have elite athletic traits but they're you know quite raw still you're, you're kind of taking on a project there Brian Branch is probably the most interesting one he's kind of more of a defensive back safety hybrid kind of a flexible plug and play guy you get some comparisons to Minka Fitzpatrick but I think people are saying he's kind of a step below Minka Fitzpatrick in terms of mm-hmm. his overall athleticism and, and playmaking ability because Minka's you know off the charts and those things so yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. No, that's no knock on him necessarily but he has intelligence he was a leader for that Alabama program which is one of the best defenses at the also has a very safe floor but you probably want to have a, a defensive coach who will be able to use some he's kind of guy where you know if he went to new england like bill belichick would find something to use this guy and make him into the next uh into into the next like true great safety or defensive back but you know if he goes to a team that doesn't know what they're doing he might fall off a bit and so it's just before we move on to our mock draft special teams well, i was mentioned one so say Jake Moody, kicker from Michigan. Outside chance of maybe getting drafted. We don't have any anyone who we've got a surprise round two grades on or anything in here. But yeah, like very accurate 
within 40, not so great above 40, but yeah, like there's not there's there's not a ton of ones that are jumping out from the from the special team section, but like I suppose we'll see who New England draft. We're about we're about an hour in. I suppose it's time to get our teams on the clock, yeah? Let's go. Mock draft. Okay, first up we'll run through our picks and then we'll do what the uh, what the actual what our consensus machine has decided picks are. It's very highly scientific and we'll definitely show our workings. First. One of my foibles, one of the Ronan foibles of the podcast. Yeah. We definitely so. did not have a long discussion about methodology just before the podcast started. Yeah, we wouldn't be that sad. Okay, first up on the clock, the Panthers. We have them all going for quarterback, me and Ronan have gone for Bryce Young and Sean, you've decided CJ Stroud's the man. I guess as I said it when we were talking about a maybe safer choice a little bit, the the Panthers do seem to like him a bit. He had a great pro day. I know the momentum seems to be going Young's way, and maybe to win these kind of mock drafts, you have to, to, to you know take a little bit of risk. But I think Stroud is a very good pick, and I think the Panthers might be a safety-first kind of team, so they might go for him over Young. I think it's a situation where the bookies are saying it's basically going to be Bryce Young. The spicier people have gone Anthony Richardson, maybe, but I yeah, think it would be surprised. It would definitely be surprised right now if it wasn't Bryce Young. Yeah, uh, and then for number two of the Texans, we're just swapping. So me and Fitz have uh, CJ Stroud and you have Bryce Young there. So I said, like, uh, at the top of this, we're going to have already talked through these prospects. But I think these both make sense. Two teams that are in need of quarterback health. These are two top quarterbacks. So the we, Texans might trade is, is the yes. rumor. We're, we're going to run our drafts without trades in them, but we will flag that. Okay, so I think the Texans are one that are potentially up for a trade. I know the Cardinals have openly open for a trade because they want someone who's going to have to jump ahead of the Colts because the Colts look like they'll be picking a quarterback. So if someone wants to jump ahead of the Colts or the Colts want to jump in there to make sure that no one else jumps ahead of them, that might be the move. So I'd imagine there'll yeah. be a little bit of movement in this top five anyway. But like, uh, the problem is that to get up there, you're probably talking about like a team like Tennessee going all the way from 11, You know, maybe a team like the Commanders. So they seem pretty set on Howell. Buccaneers maybe like it's a big leap and you'd wonder you know there seems to be a lot more teams trying to trade down than trade up would you see a little bit of an underpay like that Panthers move might see like Chicago's move to do it early might be seen as uh, prescient at this point but yeah Texans I know we're right in the middle of draft misinformation season but you know, there are reports Texans maybe are like maybe Caleb Williams next year maybe we kind of hold yeah. for now with a new head coach and kind of work with what we have whether that be Davis Mills or mm. a guy picked later on but you know if they stick at this position you'd have to believe it's a quarterback that they'd pick it's yeah. kind of hard to believe they'd go into a season with fucking Davis Mills at quarterback oh yeah and like and the, the other one to second remember second season with yeah. Davis <laughs> well, the, 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 the other thing to remember as well a real the, season a real season the, the other bit to remember as well there are, there are teams that are still in transition that might look and change the direction if things aren't moving I would expect around this would be around the point where we start to have clarity on the Jets Aaron Rodgers situation and if yeah. there looks to be speed bump there the Jets might say well maybe we want to get up and look at Richardson or something or do something exciting because there's pressure coming from management on yep. the uh, leadership there so there's a, there's a lot of things up in the air but basically we imagine it'll be this collection of players but it might end up being a little bit of a swap around as to which teams are there if things happen yeah uh, like the Colts are a desperation team but they yeah. might have more options than you thought going into the process yeah because no. as you next cardinals are next and we all have them going for will anderson our only full agreement in this mock draft okay? <laughs> which is but definitely wrong it's a high chance this this the cardinals will trade if they get a good offer and the colts are you know they're only mm-hmm. one position behind but they're a you know if they really want a quarterback and they're afraid then they could probably be panicked into a, a trade at this point then we have the colts at number four and we have them going quarterback so you guys have them pulling the trigger on anthony richardson i look at it and say i 
feel like they might need some more, that they'd be afraid of the, the delay. And I have them going with Will Levis and just kind of going, well, we've got our running back. Now we have a quarterback. You know, we've got pieces I, there. I can see it. I can see yeah, it. I can yeah. see them being risk averse. Like if you think, if you think through the types of quarterback that are, you know, the Colts Hall of Fame. So your, your, your Mannings and your Andrew Lux and so on, they prefer the more typical kind of approach. So that's yeah, that's, and that's what's in my head. And you're seeing now because of the Texans maybe not picking a quarterback and, and the Cardinals probably won't that, you know, people might see CJ Stride falling to them. But I think the one thing we do know is that the Colts are almost certainly going to pick a quarterback. Their owner, Jim Irsay, sent out a tweet going, oh, we might trade up. We might trade down. We might stay here. But here's a picture of the four top quarterbacks in this tweet. So we can probably <laughs> guess what they want to do right now. Yeah, no, of course. Next up, we have the Seahawks. We've actually, uh, we've got two a, a two, part, two two out of three agreement on uh, Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle for myself and Ronan. And uh, Sean, you said they're going to go for edge and go Tyree Wilson. And I think we talked about this a little bit. This is the kind of like the, what do you want floor ceiling kind of stuff, I think, to a certain yeah, extent. Yeah, it's the, it's the Carter questions of maturity. It's the, it's the bad pro day. There's enough reasons that maybe they get gold feet at this point. I do have Carter kind of falling a, a quite a bit far down in my draft, which probably isn't going to happen. Yeah, again, some teams just like safety first. Yeah. And Tyree Wilson feels like a Seahawks player, athletic pass rusher type. He, you know, Pete Carroll could do some interesting things. With him. Yeah, a, lo- a lot of reports are saying the Seahawks are very strongly associated, but the Seahawks are a weird team. So look, Tyree Wilson is also one of those kind of freak athletic guys. So it wouldn't surprise the Seahawks. And look, there's a chance Jalen Carter will be gone at this point as well. Like, Cardinals might go for him over Will Anderson, to be honest. Yeah, so next up we have the Lions. We've all got, and I think I think we're right on this part anyway, I think the Lions feel like a team that are going to be going defense because I think they want to build on that. I have them taking Christian Gonzalez, the top cornerback. You have them taking Tyree Wilson, their Ronan, and Sean, you have them taking Gonzalez as well. So yeah, like we, like it feels like the Lions are going defense, right? To me, the reason is, you know, re- replacing Jeff Okuda, the final piece in the secondary, they picked up a lot of free agency talent in secondary. This feels like that. You know, get a fast outside corner to to fit in, and the Lions then suddenly look like a really good team defensively. They ha- they got in some veterans, but they could do with some like blue chip type talents. And Gonzalez or Witherspoon would seem to fit the bill. But I I've picked a defensive lineman because I just feel like the coach is just one of those guys who likes defensive linemen. Like get me all the defensive linemen in the world, please. <laughs> kind of like the Eagles approach. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Next up, we have the Raiders. I have them taking Tyree Wilson because he's fallen down to here on my board, and I think they'd be mad not to take him if he's there. Got them going, Christian Gonzalez again, good top 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 of the class in that section build on that they've been trying for quite a while to you know they've, they've spent a lot of draft capital under the previous regime on first round defensive talent that for the most part has not worked out these seem like less likely to miss ones i quite like your move here sean though because i was wondering about whether or not they'd be interested in picking up a quarterback and you have them taking uh well levis yeah i mean that the will levis thing is is interesting in that there's rumors he could fall i mean the patriots apparently look at him because they think he might fall to 14 but i think the raiders they've got Jimmy G in, they've got their solid pro, but now they need to think about the next the next step forward and have that combo of the pro that eases the rookie in. And obviously Jimmy G has a lot of experience being the pro that eases rookies into the scenario. The Raiders also are pretty terrible at first round picks, so God knows what they will actually do. Yeah. This but is where that special teamer we didn't talk about goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I can definitely see them 
not being 100% happy with Jimmy G and thinking, yeah. well, let, let's hedge your head. Hedge well, your also, also if, like, if you think about the, the teams that are being talked about, like New England and that, they're basically trying to build a New England system there, and that's even probably played into the Jimmy G acquisition. So, like, if he fits that kind of mold, then it kind of it, 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 it tracks quite well. Yeah, next up we have the Falcons. We, we diverge a bit more on this one. So, Sean, you've got them going edge rusher in Miles Murphy. Ronan, you have them going cornerback with Devon Witherspoon. And I said that they are going to pull the trigger Arthur Blanco to try and make a bit of a splash and is going to pull in Anthony Richardson so my basis of the Richardson is I think it's exciting might get the franchise a little bit energized something to go with you know all their weird athlete first based selections in recent drafts of you know the highest drafted tight end and all that kind of stuff I think they need to make a bit of a splash play and I don't love their roster at the moment and I think my, my only concern would be I don't think this is a great spot for Richardson to land into because I think they would throw him to the wolves and put him in straight away depends how desperate you think the Falcons are like I've talked about them being weird because they're gonna have year three under Arthur Smith and they're still rebuilding to some extent so maybe a shot in the arm like Anthony Richardson would make sense than more I suppose a traditional just keep building the defense approach like Witherspoon or Murphy but but it's hard to read where the Falcons are right now, to be honest, because they pretty much have needs still over huge parts of their roster right now. Got for Murphy, because I think defensive line is their biggest weakness and they need an impact player and he's the next best edge available. But yeah, they could go anywhere really on the defense, uh, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have the Bears. They're picked from Carolina. Uh, we're all in agreement here. They've decided that they're sticking with their current quarterback situation. They need to try and help him pass more. So they're going to go offensive line and try and build that up a little bit. I think me and Sean are going Paris Johnson and Ronan, you're going Peter Skaronski on this one. Justin Fields... We've like it's a it's a classic story. Okay, he's shown enough talent that he's worth building around. Let's start building around him and not put him in the worst offensive situation. They traded for DJ Moore. They've tried, picked up some other pieces, but the offensive line is really where the talent is here. So get a safe guy like Johnson or Skoransky who can play tackle potentially, but also can be kicked inside. They've shown that ability. I've gone for the safe option. Paris Johnson's up, but has more upside. But I think they're going to do something for the offense. It would be stupid not to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. protect your talent. Protect your talent. Hundred uh, percent. Eagles up next so we've gone in different directions but I think all of these make sense to me I have them going defensive line getting Miles Murphy because look they love their defensive line they like having the rotation in there like that pass rush was kind of what helped them like what was it 70 sacks they had last season like you know they kind of they they, they want to get fresh blood though because a lot of that was older veterans coming in so bring in a young guy to to, to join them I think that makes sense I love I love your pick Ronan of Bijan Robinson to them I think that would make them terrifying I I just don't know if they'd pull the trigger on a first round running back at 10. I think it, it's how how he rose and obviously you know, Sean picked Devin Witherspoon who's also another solid pick. Bijan Robin, I'm just going like obviously we'll talk more about Bijan when we go on but he's like one of the top five talents in the, the in the draft mm-hmm. like the Eagles have another pick late on in the round if they want to build up their defensive line. Why not get a super talent put him in that running offense which is one of the best in the league last year and absolutely you know, ride the hole off the NFL this year with the run game. And then obviously they have two great pass catchers. So why not go all out? Like Harry Roseman and the Seagulls organization are capable of doing strange things. Like Miles Murphy and Weatherspoon are probably the, 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 the more logical picks given like they want to keep that defense strong and deep. But Bijan Robinson is the fun pick and let's go yeah. Eagles. Let's get that Super Bowl next year. Hard thing with the Eagles because they have such a good roster already and they have two picks in the first round. They don't really need a top 10 pick. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded it out of it, to mm. be honest. It's so going to look for where they can get depth. So, this, yeah. this this feels to me like a prime spot for trading down a few spots. If there's, so like in Ronan's one now, well, we'll leave it still out there. Like I, if, if there's a quarterback that's falling here or in, in your 
going, Sean, if you've got Jalen Carter on the board there. I think either they, if Jalen Carter's falling, I think they jump someone like him. But I think if there's mm. quarterbacks there, Will Levis is falling or Richardson hasn't gone yet, I'd be staring there at the Patriots, the Texans, even the Jets yeah. if nothing's come through and just been like, yeah, we'll move back three or four spots because yeah. you guys aren't going for a running back in this position. So we can get him plus some picks at like 14 instead. If there's one thing you can say for the Eagles GM, Harry Roseman, he is not afraid to do fun stuff. So whether it's picking B. John Robinson or trading up or trading down, like, yeah, the Eagles are always, they're always an interesting team to keep an eye on during the draft process. Yeah, the Titans are up next. Yes, yeah, so me and Sean went in the same direction if we went offensive linemen, Broderick Jones and Peter Spansky. I think they'll move to... up. I mean, the more I think about yeah. it, the more I think they need a quarterback and I think they'll have to move up to get one. So, so what, but, yeah. What I was intrigued by here, and you went, you went with Will, Will Levis because he had fallen down to there on your own there, Ronan, and I think that makes sense as well because I think quarterback they'd be looking at. I was incredibly tempted to put Bijan Robinson here because the Titans, maybe they decide, you know what, let's just do what we've been doing, but we need people with less miles on the clock and they bring in Bijan Robinson to replace Henry. And the thing is, like the Titans are weird as well because like, they kind of half tore it down, half rebuilt this offseason in free agency i'm not really sure where they think their team is right now i have uh, no idea they definitely need more offensive linemen so like those are two good picks there like to improve that terrible offensive lineman they lost more in free agency but yeah. you know the whole quarterback situation is up in the air obviously derrick henry's getting on so like this is a team it's very hard to see where they're going but if they think the quarterback situation needs to be fixed and like ryan Tannehill's fine i suppose like it's not, uh, it's not. It's not like like they're <laughs> Like, are they, they super desperate, like, you know, where the Panthers were? I don't think they were no. there, but it also depends. Are, are they looking this season or are they looking three seasons from now, four seasons from now, like rebuilding this back into where they were when they were the number one team in the AFC somehow? So I think that'll be an interesting one. That'll be a bit of a bit of a turning moment to see where they go in that one. Uh, Texans, we are pretty much in lockstep here, just not... Not 100% on which one's which. Uh, we'll have them go on wide receiver because they have no weapons. So I think I've got Jackson Smith and Giba. So do you, Ronan, Sean, you've gone Quentin Johnson for them. But like, yeah, they need they need a weapon. I've gone for, I guess, explosiveness over, you know, the, the more the more complete package. I mean, I guess all this is very dependent on if the Texans do draft a quarterback. Feels like this is a good combo to use their, their yeah, two yeah. on the quarterback and their 12 on a wide receiver. I mean, I think it's, it's even money between... Johnson and Smith in Jiba, but I do think maybe the the explosiveness, the the, the potential eliteness, Quentin Johnson might have be perceived as having a slightly higher ceiling than Smith and Jiba, who's maybe a safe, safer, more reliable. Yeah, yeah. And like Johnson is like a, an outside classic kind of Z or X receiver, whereas Jackson Smith and Jiba is a slot guy. So you know, do you start with a slot guy or do you start with someone you can start outside, even if they maybe have a slight more risk associated? But I think Texans like. They need to start building an offense, and I think, despite the fact they have a defensive coach, I think they know that if you don't have any offense, the whole thing is going to be very, yeah. very depressing, and you can't go. You can't. There's, there's a limit to how low you can go, and they need the offense yeah. to be at least somewhat functional. Yeah. So I, I, I did have a thing in the back of my head where if they're taking a rookie quarterback and they're maybe trying to build around that, and they don't, they're not in love with one of these wide receivers. I was contemplating whether or not. The second pick, they go with like Dalton Kincaid or something, get like an elite level blanket over the middle, so it's not even a forcing the ball outside kind of situation for them. But I, yeah, like I think I think weapon plus quarterback makes sense for the Texans to try and just get something started on that side of the ball, particularly given the relatively short lifespan that their coaching staff seem to have of late. Next up, we have the Jets again. Look, this is kind of presuming that they get 
their quarterback situation resolved. We've got them going offensive line. I think Skoronsky, Jones and Jones is the is the combination here. I can't remember. I did have a rationale as to why I had Skoronsky down here instead of at the earlier one, why the Bears won't be Paris Johnson, he, but I can't probably remember. probably not going to play tackle is probably the main reason. That's like probably what it was. The short but, arms yeah. mean that he, he may not make it as a, as a true tackling yeah. tackles are work more than guards but this is the thing like look Jets regardless of the outcome of the of the quarterback situation they need to build out that line they need to protect their quarterbacks because even if they don't have Rodgers there whoever is there is going to need protecting and that's something they're gonna they're gonna need it'll also help with them running the ball as well I think so I think uh, across the lower that just makes sense Patriots uh, Sean I'll let you lead in on this one we've all gone defensive side me and you have gone cornerback and Fitz has gone for linebacker so very Patriotsy. but you've gone Joey Porter let me just preface this with who the fuck knows, you know. Uh, yeah, it's true. Who's the top prospect out of Rutgers? Who's the best fourth round pick that they can pick 14th? Yeah. Uh, after last year, I've completely given up on predicting what Belichick will do. Rumors are they might go for a wide receiver. Obviously, that's also a weakness. And I've also, as I mentioned, talked about they might try and get Will Levis Le- 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 if he falls yeah. this far down. I've gone for Joey Porter Jr. because cornerbacks, Belichick loves his elite cornerbacks. After Gilmore left and then JC Jackson left, he hasn't really had that. I think that might be where he goes. Oh, I've got, you know, this is an interesting piece to add in. Obviously, if Devin Witherspoon falls this far down as well, he might, he might slot in there, but I can certainly, it's definitely going to be defense, I think, unless it's wide receiver. And yeah, it depends on who the best, I think likely cornerback, but I, I I can see a linebacker being being picked as well. Yeah. Like I've, like I've Witherspoon here because what we talked about, like the whole high intelligence thing, the fact that I think that that's, that's what, Bill likes in players, albeit he doesn't tend to draft fantastically well. So I think that fits. Uh, do you want to chat about Nolan Smith there? Yeah, look, Nolan Smith's an athletic freak. He's really solid both against the run and the pass. He's a little bit undersized, maybe to be like a true like you know can beat all defensive linemen. But like Bill Belichick is famous for saying, "Don't tell me what you can't do. Tell me what you can do, and we'll find a role for you." And I think Nolan Smith on my board is probably in terms of just pure talent, a really good player while also being intelligent and you know got the right stuff. Like I could definitely see him or someone like Brian Branch from these kind of Alabama Georgia programs mm, yeah. just being slotted in there. And Joy Porter fits into a similar thing, obviously with the NFL pedigree there. Someone that yeah. obviously he and probably fits the NFL like the Patriots style of defensive back where they're a little bit chippier maybe than, than some other teams like to play Packers up next uh, I've gone defensive line with Kevon Ness you've gone Zay Flowers wide receiver which I think would fit in quite nicely and John you've gone Michael Mayer so obviously replacing the tight end that they lost in free agency mm. that, that was my logic is that are a ton replacement plus the, the loveliness of now that Rogers is gone let's start drafting giving him weapons <laughs> in, the, in the first round yeah. I think Zay Flowers um, is a nice one because I think he's got a lot of good yards after the catch ability and like I think the like this, this he has size questions and I've heard some accusations of alligator arms that he doesn't really catch away from the body at all but like you know I'd say he, he could be a very good fit particularly if they can scheme it up well our problem is obviously look we don't we don't actually have that much knowledge of what Jordan Love is going to look like in that yeah, offense. Like unless, so. unless they're planning to air it out like it's Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love, it makes sense to have maybe a do-it-all tight end like Michael Meyer who's solid at blocking, solid at catching, just a kind of, uh, just a solid player who won't be an issue. Kind of just, like they have a surprising amount of like holes in that roster, I would say. 
So I think, you know, going for a Meyer or Zay Flowers is maybe more of a uh, more fancy like pick if you want to increase your wide receiver weapons. That uh, would make sense. But they have picked a lot of defensive linemen or defensive players in recent years. So Lucas Van Ness is kind of a electric freak. Kind of makes sense. It, kind of, it depends kind of where you see how much are they invested in making Jordan Love succeed this year. Because obviously they have a big decision to make in the near future about him because he's been behind Aaron Rodgers for so long. If it's all about seeing how good he is, it makes sense to give him a weapon or two. F- following what they've done before, and surely they should draft a quarterback to light a fire underneath. <laughs> well... <laughs> I think I think they're a team. It's, it'll be interesting where their horizon is and where their focus is. Green Bay traditionally a team that looks far ahead in the future and always thinking multi years ahead. But mm-hmm. if they want Jordan Love to succeed, it's going to be difficult with the current set of weapons they have. Like Christian Watson, solid, but what do they have outside that except for the running backs? Commanders up next. I've gone Joey Porter, cornerback to them. You've gone Paris Johnson, uh, offensive tackle, Ronan, and Sean. You've gone Jalen Carter, defensive tackle. This is a this is a roster that has a lot of holes on it. So I think all of these fill needs for them I, I, w- I will confess it was Jalen Carter has fallen really far down my list I should probably put him in yeah he's been uh, punished yeah. enough he's been punished <laughs> enough yeah so we're gonna send him to Washington Washington's uh, a lot of controversy they're like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah we'll embrace the chaos. hey it's a new it's a new day in Washington like uh, new owners it'll be all grand he'll, he'll yeah. and they'll he'll be the start of the new age where they suddenly start winning again my, my rationale here would just be like cornerback because they need bit more talent on that side of the ball and given the enemy is going to be kind of working the offense and they're hoping to get some more growth out of that they might think well we'll see what we can do with it they've been blowing a lot of smoke up their existing players arses for the last kind of month or two anyway but um, I could definitely see them going like Paris Johnson if he's there going well let's just establish that line or whatever and like you said they have a history of, of wanting to, to to get big mauling defensive line they haven't maybe gotten the full amount of production out of that that they would have wanted so Jalen Carter being added into the mix would be uh, would be a great get for them so uh, a lot of holes there I think all those make sense Steelers are up next I've got them going Dalton Kincaid at tight end you've got Joey Porter there and Sean you've gone Darnell Wright offensive line yeah my rationale for the Kincaid is get a pass catching tight end they could start running two tight end sits with Fairmouth um, who had some injury concerns last year and then I think that would help take some of the pressure off what was an okay but only okay passing attack they definitely would make sense to help out Kenny Pickett and kind of see what you actually have there so offensive line help or another pass catcher to kind of go with Fryermuth and the, the two wide receivers they have would make sense I just went for Joey Porter because it's the Steelers right like if Joey Porter's yeah, falling on the way yeah. to you it's like it's Joey yeah. Porter Sr. going hey come on you know this this is your type of guy he's an asshole complete asshole you love him I've just gone you know protect Pen- Kenny Pickett solid sensible choice which the Steelers are good at doing so we had fairly consensus approach to the Lions at their pick number six we got a fairly consensus approach to the Lions at pick 18. We have them doubling down on defense and we've all going defensive line. So I've got uh, Kajay Chansey, you've gone Luca Van Ness and Sean, you've gone for Brian Breezy. So this is, yeah, like this is a team that wants to, was it bite kneecaps and, 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 and do stuff if they could get that defense rolling because they were putting up a lot of points and they were losing in tight games where they were allowing a lot of scores. So double down on defense and that feels in line with the identity of the team. Obviously, their defense had started off last year really terrible and got better as it went along. People like Aiden Hutchinson kind of came into it. So they've got a young core and they've brought in some, obviously, help with the secondary. So, you know, someone else, if they picked six, if they've gone back into secondary for pick six, they'll probably go up front for pick 18. And just, you know, Breesy, basically a run-stuffering kind of guy, just just to add some bulk uh, in in that front seven, yeah. 
Yeah, and like I've gone for Lucas Van Ness, the guy's nickname is Hercules. That just sounds like a Dan Campbell type pick. Like, look <laughs> at this guy. He's big. He's strong. He's, you know, I can make him even better. We have lots of talent. Let's just go full NASCAR and kick the shit out of quarterbacks the entire year. And yeah. that's the kind of shit that they love in the Motor City. So why not go that way? That's it, yeah. Buccaneers up next. This is a, this is a team that needs loads and loads and loads of things. So I've gone quarterback Cam Smith. Start putting some pieces together on that defense. You've gone Brian Branch, Ronan, probably similar ideas you want to chat about in a second. And then, Sean, I quite like your pick there as well. He's already gone on, I think, both of our boards. Bijan Robinson now to... Look, uh, I was like, you know, Tom, Tom is gone. This team has no identity. It's time to rebuild something new. Here's this elite, crazy, talented running back. Let's just go mad and build a, a system around him, was my, was my logic. Let the Bucks yeah. just go, fuck it. This is, this is who we are now. We are a running team. That can, doesn't sound like a Todd Bowles thing. That sounds like a Bruce Aaron and sing yeah. that's why I maybe, maybe maybe Bruce can come back in from the cold now that the Tom's gone we'll see but yeah, uh, maybe uh, no, my, 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 he has been hanging around so maybe yeah. Yeah, just my, 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 my only concern in. with that would be the idea of like look if there's already that kind of like you know questions over spending first round picks on running backs if the value of a running back in the first round is you control their rights for five years like the Buccaneers are no more looking at a five-year window of being competitive than like I am. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure running backs where they go. But I like. I like. I it, it, to me, it, what's weird is it feels almost too optimistic for the Buccaneers to be looking <laughs> at the draft this year that positively. You know. <laughs> Yeah, but it kind of also feels like Todd Bowles will be given one year. It's, he's like, no, I'm going to put together the best defense and we're going to win everything. And it's like, sure, Todd. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, we're fucked this year anyway because of Tom Brady, like, all the dead money. So you go ahead. Here's, like, these good defensive players are good. So why not take them? But uh, mm. yeah, B. John Robinson would certainly give some juice and some hope to them. But I don't yeah, really see make it. Happen. Definitely make it more exciting anyway. Because uh, I cannot imagine this is going to be a very exciting team but to watch this year. Yeah. They're currently on my kind of shit list. I don't really care about this team for 2023. Next up, pick 20, it's the Seahawks again. So, Sean, you've gone inside. Uh, you've got an offensive line in Desires Torrens for them trying to provide protection to uh, to Juno Smith. Fitz, you've doubled down on the defensive side and you've gone with Miles Murphy. And I've decided the Seahawks... I've decided that Geno Smith is good and all, but having a hell of a run game would be even better, and they're going to go for Bijan Robinson. Like, I think if he fell this far, then the Seahawks would definitely pick him. Like, I think him and Ken Walker and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and just be bigger and faster and stronger and just beat the shit out of people makes sense. I think Osiris Torrance is a more, like, understandable, like, pick like get the best interior offensive lineman they definitely have a weakness there and i'm going defensive line you can never have too many defensive linemen but like if Bijan is here someone's gonna go why aren't we picking the one of the best <laughs> players in the draft and yeah. I, I just every time he falls someone's gonna be tempted because like you know the history of running backs is that eventually they get picked higher than expected because when these guys come out the saquons and Bijan robinson someone goes just pick the good guy just like yeah. fuck it like so my like the thing the thing that crosses my mind at this point would be bills possibly trading up to the buccaneers spot and taking him that would be what i would think might be on the cards because i think it, it's that kind of you know one big playmaker piece away kind of thing but i've i've talked both on this and and and, and in the pub i think with sean at length about how i think i think the bills are going to be approaching the next two or three years as their window and it closing rapidly so i think they might take a swing but yes that's the seahawks and then up for the 21st pick is the miami dolphins question mark question mark the question mark they, they may have done a thing that led to the being, pick being forfeited. Uh, gone uh, fishing some, is what I've said. <laughs> yeah. You can just hear Tom Brady's music playing and him walking out with a steel chair and smashing everyone in the face. <laughs> all, all I'll say is that 21 is 12 backwards. Is that a coincidence? I, I'm not sure. 
But uh, yeah, I, I think this could like, you know, 21 for Brady, uh, 80 for Brady prequel, perhaps. <laughs> uh, but look, it's because they did the tampering. They put Tom Brady on a boat because of the implication. And, <laughs> and they Brought lost Sean the Peyton out and said he's got a he's got a pocket full of cash if, uh, if you say no. So it's a 31 team first round, technically. But uh, the 21st pick will will always remember you. We know what's at the bottom of the ocean. Do the 21st pick and then just wait like five minutes just awkwardly. Everyone's staring at the Dolphins GM and then they move on. The owner, but yeah. Next up, we have the Chargers. We're all relatively in lockstep here. We said the Chargers need to get some more weapons. Their weapons are aging. We need to get some stuff around this quarterback. You're meant to be trying to, you know, set him up for success. So I've been going Jordan Addison. So do you, Sean. And Fitz, you've taken Quinton Johnson for them. All kind yeah. of makes sense. Whoever they like the most at wide receiver makes sense. I think I went for Johnson because he probably pair better with what they have because Keenan Allen is older, but he kind of fulfills a similar role to Jordan Allison or Jackson Smith and Jigbe if they fell here. But I think they just need weapons and just actually invest fully in their quarterback and stop pretending that the defensive genius head coach is actually going to save them. Yeah, I, I see Addison plus Mike Williams as the, the speed guys opening up the underneath for uh, Keenan Allen. But yeah, definitely somebody, somebody to help. Yeah. Next up, we have the Ravens. You guys have decided to add weapons uh, in the form of Jackson Smith and Jibia and Jordan Addison. I said they want to add to the defensive side of the ball, bring in a cornerback and bring in Deontay Banks. My thinking is obviously Peters is gone. They've got one or two question marks in that secondary. He would be a good addition to it. I know it's it, it's not a, a golden bullet, but I think the I think the OBJ thing was the branch to trying to get the quarterback deal done. It kind of depends how much you think they're jingling the keys at Lamar Jackson, like please come back, please, and like here's more wide receivers or a but running back or something. Like, like not to be funny, I mean, they but also sure. just need more wide receivers, like as, well, as yes. just a statement of fact. But sure, but like also surely if you're trying to get Lamar Jackson, you get him another tight end. Yeah, One. A security blanket. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they, but they, like, they, he, also, he also just likes throwing at them more. He likes throwing well, wide receivers. Like they lost Josh Oliver, so they do need a blocking tight end. That's mm. what you mean, right? Like some big old, <laughs> big Darnell Washington. That, that, yeah, that big old Darnell Washington climbs into the first round. It's like the Ravens it's don't like, really know what to do. It's like, look how big he is. Ooh, I am impressed. Mm. I'm coming back. So uh, we've literally just talked about these guys, but we're kind of inverting picks on the Vikings. So we've got Quentin Johnson, the wide receiver for me, going to them. And you guys have gone Deontay Banks, who I just had go to the Ravens. So as we said, like, you know, these points of need for both teams. I think the Vikings, particularly given that they're now going to be transitioning off their methadone of Kirk Cousins, they need to start building weapons around for whoever's going to be throwing balls in the future there. Yeah, I can understand the, the cornerback call as well. Patrick Peterson replacement, basically. The Jags are up next at 25. I've gone tight end Michael Mayer to try and give them a kind of a new another pass cocking after and we've got Evan Ingram there it'd be nice to start being able to run two tight end sets I think Mayer's meant to be a bit better at least solid enough in the blocking as well they could have a bit of fun with that you've gone with offensive tackle Ronan yeah, Darnell Wright, I think it's just to kind of keep boosting up, keep putting things around Trevor Lawrence, and I think he's fallen a little bit here for me on my board. But yeah, like, look, I think Jags, they're kind of a weird thing. They have like lots of small needs, but very few big needs. So I think wherever they happen to like is probably what they do. So I think Brian Branch and Michael Meyer are both good candidates. Just kind of just keep making this team better and just keep building. Yeah. My logic is I think they feel their offensive pieces are in place. They put a lot of work into them last year. And now Brian Branch kind of feels like the, the elite kind of chair in the top of 
the of the defense, bringing the you know versatile mm-hmm. secondary guy to, to to bring the Jags to the next level on on the, in that side of the field. I just think like at this point we're starting to see like a lot of similar players turning up in the spot. So like you've got Brian Branch going there. Next up is the Giants. I have Brian Branch going to the Giants, helping them with safety there and giving them a guy over the top. You've gone offensive line fits and Sean, you've gone for a wide receiver. Just reward Daniel Jones for a good season by giving him Zay Flowers uh, as a nice little present to to get him to stick around for a little while longer. What does Saquon get? Nothing. You get nothing, Saquon. <laughs> You'll keep running. You'll keep running hard for your uh, franchise tag. But yeah, Zay Flowers. He's, he's, he's kind of undersized, a bit like Addison and Sinead Jigba, but he seems to have that little bit more refined route running and maybe a little bit more athleticism that he could succeed outside because they actually do have a bunch of fucking of inside slot like wide receivers. They just need some guys who can actually play outside and say Flowers at this point is probably one of the best available. Yeah, no, fair enough. Cowboys, 27. I've gone defense for them with Brian Breesy. Help them kind of shore up that side of the ball that had moments of greatness and moments of kind of losing the run of itself. They have, like, you know, probably stronger second level than first level so i think a bit of help there would never go amiss you guys have gone for the top tight end prospect dalton kincaid who's off my board earlier to the steelers uh, i think that makes perfect sense to me they just need a new dalton you know that they've got they've lost dalton schultz so they need a new tight end dalton so jerry jones doesn't get confused yeah uh, although as we said if B. John robinson's still here like yeehaw let's go let me John <laughs> robinson you know that's oh, the, that's yeah, jerry yeah. jones that's my jerry jones impression <laughs> probably not as decrepit as it needs to be yeehaw uh, very good <laughs> bills are up next at 28 uh i've had them go on the offensive side of the ball take safe flowers this fills two things for them gets them another weapon in the offense that i think would work well with what they've already got there and additionally given that safe flowers was working out with patrick mahomes during the week it means that they can make sure he doesn't go to the chiefs which i think is something that would be a positive for them you've gone on the defensive side there ronan with mazzy smith i think they're just like hurting after that awful uh play that they did in the, in the playoffs and they got ran all over so get the beefiest guy you can Matthew Smith there in the middle and start plugging up those holes and I went for Nolan Smith again it's kind of a best available this guy probably yeah. should be off the board by now so the Bills will probably go Bengals are up next I've gone cornerback with Keely Ringo I think anything that would mean they don't have to play Eli Apple would be a positive so that was <laughs> basically my logic on this one it's like if you buy him you don't have to have Eli Apple you can just not sign him. It's like, yeah, yeah, like you just leave yeah, him on the street. Yeah, yeah. I've gone for Anton Harrison, offensive tackle, because I think that the Bengals are just going to keep on adding offensive linemen until Joe Burrow tells them to stop. Yeah, and I've gone for Meyer just because I think, you know, they have Eric Smith, it's perhaps they're more pass-catching tight end, but just a solid guy who can do everything you want to tie in position for a few years makes sense to complement all the other things that are currently already working for the Bengals in offense. The Saints are up next. I've gone Nolan Smith at linebacker for them. Just We talked about him earlier when we were discussing the Bills there, so like, yeah, just helps fill the spot on that line. I think you guys have both gone defensive line. I think they need defensive help. Callagher can't see uh, interior pass rush guy. I mean, the Saints are hard to know. They... They're such a mediocre team that they, you know, they'll they'll probably add someone sensible here. I don't. I find it hard to care about the Saints these days. I'll be honest. Kansi's a solid. Like he's probably more of a more of a fit in a four three type scheme, which is the Saints are one of the few relatively few teams still running that type of scheme. So he's a good fit. And Keanu Benton, uh, similarly, he's a bit more uh, agnostic to scheme, but he's a he's he's a solid pick. And Nolan Smith, yeah, I think if he falls that far, he's probably a good candidate for uh, any defensive head coach, and that's what they have at the moment. Yep. On to the Eagles. I've gone Will McDonald uh, off the edge from the side. I had them picking linemen earlier up. So kind of just filling out that front a lot more, getting keeping the pass rush going, getting fresh blood into the rotation. You've gone edge rusher as well there, Rowan. 
yeah, similar Will McDonald. He has a lot of upside, and obviously in a team like the Eagles, he'll have time to develop over time. He won't be thrown in and expected to kind of contribute or be like a full-time starter immediately. So he makes sense. They might pick someone a cornerback. There's plenty of options there. Unless they go for an exciting, sexy pick like uh, Jameer Gibbs or something, I imagine it'll be either defensive line or cornerback here. Yeah, yeah. This is my thing. I just don't know who the Eagles need really. So there, I think they're going to be might fall into a tendency to luxury pick, especially the second one. If they keep the ten and they feel some sort of need, they're going to come to thirty-one and be like, I don't know, who's the most interesting player left on the board, and they might go for for Gibbs then. Um, yeah, but it's very hard to pick because the Eagles have such a good team already. Yeah, that's it. And then finally, the Chiefs. I'm going for Anton Harrison, offensive tackle. I mentioned him when we were discussing the tackles, but basically, like, just I think he fits more of what because like the Chiefs have a need at this, so it's going to have to be in and playing. And like he has maybe more designed around pass protection than run blocking, which runs a little bit counter to how they kind of built with free agent acquisitions over the last while. But he has experience at tackle. He has allowed very very few pressures he's he holds up very well and that kind of stuff so i think he, feel, he feels like a good floor to be putting in if you're gonna have to start this player very early on like i think it's gonna be a lineman on either side i think yeah. they need help on both sides of the of that like i think they lose wiley they obviously brought in uh taylor but like they still need another tackle you know on the defensive line they lose clark you know they still need a few help there so i expect it'll be it'll be a big guy uh, whether yeah. that's on one side of the ball the other we'll see and I see yeah, similar gone, with Daywon Jones. Yeah. yeah, I've gone Daywon Jones. I mean, I think he might make an interesting contributor to their run game, might open up their run game a little bit for them, the schemes and stuff. But again, with the Eagles, as as with the Eagles, the Chiefs are, you know, they, they've got pretty good players all around. They don't, they're not, there's no pressing need you can go. They definitely need this. So yeah, yeah why not? And Kansi's a guy that I've picked for defensive line because I think you have the 4-3 scheme. It's an aggressive up, get up the field type scheme, which is probably his strength. So if he falls because of the way the NFL is evolving, then maybe uh, it'll be a toy for... Uh, for spags there and can't yeah. see to kind of get to the quarterback well that's it that's it so yeah so that's our mocks and our rationales and whatnot uh, i'll run through what the consensus pick are which are a rigorously tested machine that uh figures out yes so the consensus pick machine has decided that panthers select bryce young texans select quarterback cj stroud cardinals take will anderson colts take anthony richardson seahawks take jalen carter lions take Christian Gonzalez, Raiders take Tyree Wilson, Falcons take Devon Witherspoon, Bears, Paris Johnson, Eagles, Miles Murphy, Titans take Will Levis, Texans take Jackson Smith and Juga, Jets take Brockers Jones, Nolan Smith to the Patriots, uh, Lucas Van Ness to the Packers, Joey Porter to the Commanders, Darnell Wright to the Steelers, Kajaya Chansey to the Lions, Brian Branch to the Buccaneers, Bijan Robinson to the Seahawks, the Miami Dolphins don't get anything. You know, Stern telling off. Strong, they get they, <laughs> they get a strongly worded letter. The Chargers pick up Jordan Addison. Uh, the Ravens take Peter Soronsky. Vikings take Deontay Banks. Tight end Michael Mayer goes to the Jags. The Giants take Zay Flowers. Cowboys take Dalton Kincaid. The Bills pick up Mazzy Smith. The Bengals take Anton Harrison. The Saints take Keanu Betton. Will McDonald the fourth goes to the Eagles and the Chiefs select Daywan Jones. So we only have one pick that we all agree on. Will Anderson to the Cardinals, assuming they don't trade. Which means that, 12, that pick's not happening. Twelve in which two out of three of us agree, and then eighteen in which we all had completely different picks for for our team. Yeah. So that's actually a fairly decent level of agreement. Yeah, I think I think we normally end up with like 
two picks where we all agree and bizarrely it was always we always ended up having like oh we all agreed on the 23rd pick for some reason or something like that yeah no very good so obviously the uh, the coverage is coming up a couple of days after you get this into your into your ear holes so we'll do a post draft analysis and see kind of who was right who was wrong and whatnot and then we'll probably be starting into our full off-season-y adventures and whatnot of of expectations and division by division should be good if anyone's sitting around dublin and looking for something to do on the draft day uh, and you decide to not watch the draft there is an event on where i believe it's american football ireland or one of those groups are doing a draft watching party on the friday in a nightclub in town so they are going to be kicking off at nine o'clock and showing the first round in its entirety with commentary over the selections and then the first round replay will be finished just as the second round is kicking off and they'll be watching that live so if anyone fucking hates themselves and wants to spend seven <laughs> hours in a room with a load of people you don't know talking shite about stuff they don't understand that's uh, that's your option sounds like a podcast to me it does yeah <laughs> sounds like the best yeah, we podcast should... we ever did <laughs> we could we could make it better by doing seven hours with in these, with these. Yes, we will not be doing a live cast podcast this year again because it was a terrible idea when we did it the last time <laughs> we realised that on reflection. But, uh, it should be good. So we will be back and chat about that stuff afterwards. Any crack with yourselves, guys? Anything planned for the next little while? Uh, not much for the next while, no. Quite enough. As I was saying to you guys before, and we, myself and Sarah, booked a holiday to Elba, the famous island where Napoleon was exiled, plus it's off the coast of Italy, so... Nice. It's interesting. We went on TripAdvisor and like the top 20 best places are all beaches. And then like 21st is like Napoleon's Villa. So uh, that that's going to be the, the how we balance our, uh, our holiday. But that's not till end of May. Yeah, no, nothing too major planned here. But uh, a few bits and pieces. And uh, I'm sure we'll, 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 we'll arrange to uh, meet up in person to discuss the outcomes of these drafts and whatnot. But uh, I suppose that will wrap us up for now. So uh, bye from myself. Bye from Sean. Bye. Bye from Fitz. Bye. Bye from Loki, who's been barking at several things in the background. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. There he goes again. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next time.